welcome to the Mindship Podcast. Dan, welcome to the Mindship Podcast. How are we doing? I'm good, thank you, mate. Yeah, good. Just spent a uh, spent a, a good two, three hours dicking around on uh, Avanti's new train service. Oh, yeah. Uh, which is excellent. Uh, yeah, so that's, that's been fun. Didn't realise it was possible to make Virgin service uh, even shitter, but good effort, Avanti. Well done. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like I said, the beers have changed, if that helps. So I guess on your way, yeah, you can get a few more beers. Yeah, I will, mate. I mean, you know, don't don't only drink on a Monday. Uh, but yeah, uh, t- today's an exception, mate. Today's, today's an, ex- an exception. Fair <laughs> so I guess, Dan, when I get people on, on the show, I kind of ask them two yeah. opening questions. So I guess the first question is, if, if, I was, if I was to ask you what is your logline, your summary of who you are and what you stand for, I guess, what would that be? Yeah. Um, I suppose I'm... Uh, I'm I'm the guy who's uh, trying to transform uh, what I think has become really dry, boring uh, marketing and messaging across you know pretty much every sector uh, nowadays because everyone's scared of saying anything different. Uh, and I'm trying to bring a bit more of the uh, 1980s flair to it, mate. Okay, okay, smooth. I'll, um, I I want to get into that in a minute, actually. So. I usually ask my guests to pick um, six numbers from one to a hundred. Go for it. Six numbers from one to a hundred. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I'm guessing this will be revealed later, will it? Yes. Uh, I'll go uh, eight. Okay. Three. I've gone backwards there. Don't worry. Okay. Um, Twenty-six. Okay, doke. How many was it? Uh, six. That's three so far. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Twenty-six. Um, I'll go thirteen. Okay. Back on back again. Uh, I'll go uh, 54. Okay, doke. And I'll go 69 because it's funny. Okay. Fair play. Fair play. So, so we'll, we'll come back to these a little bit later on. Um, yeah. But I guess for, you know, we, we've come across each other, well, I've come across you mainly due to LinkedIn and stuff like that. And I guess, yeah, yeah. you know, and your book and which I want to jump into in a, in a bit as well. But maybe for mm-hmm. the people who, who don't know who you are, maybe give us a bit of a whistle-stop tour of kind of, who you are and kind of where you come from to get to kind of where you are now? Yeah. Okay, mate. Um, well, I've pretty much done every job under the sun. Um, I think that's why we're pretty good at putting content together and uh, and, and, and stuff for, for different industries. And I think that's why my writing uh, often resonates with a lot of people is because I've, I've worked in a lot of shitty places and a lot of shitty jobs. Um, so, uh, but I, I ended up, um, I ended up after a, a, doing pretty much everything um you know from from joining the navy to um uh talking my way onto a politics degree without any a levels uh and then using that uh, all my loan money to buy a gym or um or to open a gym sorry um all the way through to them becoming like a, a a freelance copywriter which then developed into into what you see today uh really into into building in a a, a creative agency um, off the back of some of the stuff we were doing and some of the things that I found um, to work. Uh, but yeah, I've, I've, I've pretty much done, done everything. I did a little bit of a stint in recruitment. I had, um, I had a, a, a video interviewing app um, uh, prior to uh, video interviewing apps being a thing and that fell on its ass. Um, okay. I've done pretty much everything, mate. Wrote, you know, wrote three novels, all of which have been rejected multiple times. That was my dream when I was younger. I was going to be a writer. 
uh, turns out I'm not good enough. Uh, so as uh, I think all failed writers probably go into marketing. Okay. <laughs> and that's 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 where I am, mate. That's where I am. Sounds like a, a tragic life, doesn't it? But look, you know, it's uh, look at me now. Getting trains down to shit trains down to London all the time and stuff. But it's, it's, it's interesting though, right? Like, it, you know, you say like, you know, it sounds like a tragic thing, but I think just listen to that, like, there's loads of questions just built on them four. So you've kind of, you've touched on a lot politics and then opening a gym, then you, you know, yeah. copywriting and then you've got your, was it called Vonkel or something? Yeah, it was Vonkel, yeah. Yeah, yeah it was. I think I remember that, you know. I'm sure yeah, yeah. I've come across that. I used to work at Tor yeah. Talk and I think they used it, I think, or be, be, be highlighted right. it for something. But yeah, jump jump into that. I guess, you know, you bouncing across all different kind of industries. Like, yeah. what's, obviously, given where you are right now and you're working in the creative agency, um, yeah. what have you learned from kind of all of them? Especially, I guess, one of the things I want to jump into really is that, um, you know, the startup, what, what advice would you give to take into your next role learning from startups? Um, always sign contracts. Always sign contracts before you do anything. That's one thing I've taken in. So what, one thing that we do now as an agency, and it's funny because all my, a lot of my clients take the piss out of me for it as well because they're all like, this just doesn't make sense because we get we um we put everything through on um either a direct debit or or um, a bank transfer prior to de- delivering any work. So we don't do any payment terms, um, and that means that we don't have cash flow problems. Everyone's locked in for six on six month contracts, um, and then clients actually get their invoice after they paid. Uh, which is which is bonkers, really, that we've got things going like that. But there's a very uh, the, the reason behind it is because cash flow is such an issue, um, and I've made so many mistakes in not signing contracts and not getting money off people, and um, you know, and, and and having to chase payment. And these are all things that kill businesses. So one of the, just one of the biggest learning, um, biggest lessons that I've had in, in it over the last few years is just you know get contracts in place and get money off people. Like that that that's the the the, the whole point of businesses you know you make money and when you've got um small businesses uh charging for a bit of work and they're on 30 day payment terms and you've got you've got some big businesses that then aren't aren't paying them for like 60 days 90 days and it's, it's killing them so it's kind of one of the biggest lessons for me is just I, I just don't take no for an answer like if people people value you enough and value the work that you do enough they'll pay for it and they'll pay when you tell them to pay um if they don't don't worry with them um yeah, that's probably probably my biggest lesson. It's a, it's a weird one, though, isn't it? Like you say, I guess if you take out the business contract, you, you I'm kind of similar in the fact that I just trust someone by the word. I'm like, yeah, he's mm. not going to shaft me over, or he's not going to do, you know, X, Y, Z. But then I guess yeah. when it's business, it's a whole different ball game. A whole different ball game, man. You just it's just realizing that everyone's out for themselves. And of course they are. Like you know, it's we we live in a capitalist society. Of course, of course, everyone's out for themselves. So it's just uh, get things in right, and no no one is your friend they're not you know if it's their livelihood over your livelihood there's there's, there's only one thing coming first mm. um so it's just it's just making sure things are things are tight so you're not gonna because that honestly there's so many businesses fail on it and they, they, you know there's such, such some such good businesses and such good concepts and such good teams that end up falling on their ass because of cash flow issues um but just get money get money up front it's the whole purpose of business uh, money so, so I guess kind of going from Bonka, so, so you said it kind of fell on its ass a little bit. Why? How? Yeah. Like, what was that? What was that looking uh, like? That was, that, a lot, that was contractual issues. Like, it was, you know, we'd, we'd been given um, uh, some investment 
uh, and that investment was was not very much for a tech company, but it was enough. Uh, it was I managed to stretch it out over two years and build a product and get some pretty big uh, customers involved and get a, a, a relatively decent sized candidate um, base as well. Um, but uh, once one of our investors who, who had a high equity stake decided that he wasn't putting any more in. And the other investors we had lined up also decided that they weren't prepared to put any in either. If, if that person was going to uh, leave without putting any more in and, and, and retain that equity stake, there was no way they were going to invest. So it, it, it couldn't go on any longer. And that was it. Game over. As simple as that. It was like one week is there, but next week is not. Um, but again, that had we had contracts in place, had, had things been, you know, um, you know, had, had everything been kind of firmly in place, prior to doing any of that we wouldn't have fallen on our ass it's just it's just a it's just naivety i think a little bit of um probably on both sides probably on both ours on the investor side so it's interesting so you go from okay, something like that I and mean, then now you're you in offended and your book mm-hmm. which is called um booking good content which i read yeah. two weeks ago so i had, I had to go over to greece to do some talk and i read it on the plane in one go i was like yeah, yeah. this is brilliant um <laughs> So yeah, like how that leap from there to like offended, and maybe maybe we talk about actually what offended is to people who don't know. Yeah, so I mean, it came from just I mean, when I was actually building Bunkle, a lot of the way that I kind of survived was by doing um, freelance copywriting, um, and um, once Bunkle shut down and fell on its ass, it was just a case of right, I needed to find you know some more freelance gigs and. I started writing, uh, working as a copywriter for a, a tax firm of all places, um, a, a bit of tax software. Then I went from there and, and got an opportunity to go and um, head up all the B2B content for a startup uh, called Grad Such. Got them um, doing a lot of uh, you know LinkedIn things and a lot of stuff that we were doing that was that was getting them a lot of inbound leads. And then from there, I realized I was kind of I was kind of onto something. I was developing my own kind of not only just copywriting style, but my own um, methodologies, my own ways of doing things that seem to consistently work across either multiple individuals or different brands as well. So, um, and started getting a few freelance clients. And then it was just a case of um, uh, some of the um, people on the board of Grad Touch said, "Well, why don't you just, you know, why don't we, we back you and you and you go out on your own again? We spin this up as its own agency because you know clients are coming in thick and fast." It's working consistently. We're getting people results. It seems like a bit of a no-brainer, and it and it went from there. And then uh, at the time, I think the, the working name was was Twickle. We were trying to do all sorts of different things. Um, and then it was it was you know it's less than a year ago. Now we 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 spun it off as a as offended, um, and uh, and it, and it's going well, man. It's going well. You know we've we've we're we're getting um, bigger and bigger contracts. We've 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 grown from it being just me to now we're at um, you know it's probably six of us were ready to take on more again you know it's it, it's 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 going a lot better than uh than Vonkel did mate and i can actually fucking eat say myself <laughs> great which is always <laughs> a win then, yeah no more no more super noodle sandwiches for dan kelso mate. <laughs> so so like you've got offended so i think that's kind of semi how i came across you because of you know you, you're stuck on linkedin and, and the posts and whatnot and then it was just that massive change in how LinkedIn is, and then mm-hmm. you come along and like this is how LinkedIn really should be, right? Like it's people talking yeah. like normal. Like I think in your book you talk about how you talk about how you talk with mates in the pub. Yeah, and it's a weird one because we have these two sides of us. We have this person outside of work, and then we have this person inside of work. And yeah. 
the more I talk to clients, the more they're trying to make this thing be, make work more like real life. But, but yeah. I think you're talking about the politics of comms and, and marketing and stuff. Why Why do you think that's kind of still around, I guess? Um, it's 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 difficult, really, mate, because um, you it's realising that, that a lot of the people in senior positions in marketing, are, it's the same problem you've got across the business world, right? They're all, they're all, old white gammon men right they're all they're all sat there they've all been in marketing for 25 years but it's just realizing that one of the things i've realized about the marketing world is that the longer you're in a position and the more senior you are the more out of touch you become with with what actually works and a lot of these people in those positions refuse to let go of that um and some of the creative honestly some of the some of the clients that are coming to us at the minute are massive i mean we started working with a challenger bank bank in berlin we've got People coming uh, to us from the private healthcare world. We've got but some of the creative that I'm seeing that for, uh, that the, these brands have put out in the past that have been led by experienced creative directors or creative teams in agencies is absolutely fucking terrible. It's, it's the worst thing I've ever seen in my entire life. Some of it, and it's I, I, it's almost incompre- incomprehensible how crap it actually is. Um, but these people are in their own little bubbles, and marketing is just full of little cliques and little bubbles. Um, and it's, but the thing is, it's changing. It's changing. People have realized now that, that it no longer works like that. People are so desperate for, for something new that it's opening, you know, there are little cracks opening up in the marketing world where people like me are sneaking in. Um, and, and in my opinion, that's a good thing. You know, things need to change. And it's, it's just the nature of the world. People hold on to what they know desperately because everyone's shit scared of change. Um, but in, in marketing and messaging, change is coming, man. I mean, there's nothing you can do about it. You know, people, people like me, are let, uh, they're letting people like me in a fucking bank, mate. <laughs> um, the world is changing. But, but it's a good point, right? Because I guess the, the thing what you just mentioned there, it's something called Peter's Principle, I think. So basically people work their way up. You know, they'll do good at a job, they'll work their way up, they'll work, do good at a job, work their way up. And they get to a role what they can't do. But yeah. then they have to stop there because they can't go any higher. So what you end up yeah, with yeah. is a load of people doing a job what they can't do at the top of yeah. the scale. Um, yeah. But you. but I think you picked up something really interesting. So like in my world, it's kind of a lot of it is L&D or employee experience or whatever else. Mm-hmm. And part of what we're meant to do is get people excited to do this learning stuff over here or whatever. Yeah. But then, yeah. you know, part of what we should be doing is kind of getting them curiosity, getting them excited, whatever else, whatever else. But then... Uh-huh. I guess we have to roll out the same comms and the same, the same usual stuff, like the same, the same churn, what gets put out over and over again. So how, how yeah. can, how do you think like people internally can change that? Like what, what do we have to do? It's difficult, mate. You know what? I honestly don't, I don't think most people can. Um, most people are, are protective of their own well being and their own, it's all, all survival instinct. So you're not going to try and, you know, rock the boat too much because it could jeopardise your career and your chances. There, are, but there are certain people in organisations that are getting that, that are sat there that have that that can rock the boat, and that, that's what I've always done. I've always been um, the sort of guy who's thought, you know what, nobody believes in this idea. I know it's the right thing to do. None of my bosses think it's a good idea. I'm going to do it anyway. And then if it if it you know if everything goes tits up. Uh, it lands on my head and I'm going to, have to accept, I'm going to have to accept the consequences, right? But if it goes really well, the way I think it's going to go, um, then my bosses might be giving me a bit of a telling off for going against them. But most of them should be pretty happy about it if it gets the results. 
And I've always been that sort of guy. And I've always ended up treading on toes. I've always been a bit of a pain in the ass in terms of doing what I wanted to do anyway, regardless of whether people thought it was a good idea. Um, and I, I've learned very quickly like that. But, but there are very few people who are capable of doing that in organisations because it's a big risk. It's a big risk to your career. If you piss the wrong person off, you might be out the door. Um, so it's difficult. It's very, very difficult to change things. And I mean, other than uh, other than waiting for that old, you know, gammon marketing director to pop his clogs or retire, um, there's not really much people can do, to be honest. But the world is it's changing slowly because there are more and more people who think like me, um, uh, uh, you know, stepping up into senior positions. Um, and that is how it will change. It will change gradually. Um, you know, I don't I don't expect everyone to suddenly just start all the, all the little renegade marketers in organizations just to start you know chucking the toys out the pram and uh, kicking the shit out of old marketing strategies because it's just not going to go down well but uh but things will change things will change gradually but it's it's interesting like what you just said there with with the bank like you know let's just put put the perception of you and offended and like the stuff that you talk about on linkedin which is a bit mm-hmm. fresh air and you've got this whole hierarchy thing of a bank like mm-hmm. if a bank's kind of slowly but surely kind of having their eyes opened up to what what is actually working then, yeah. then it's a good thing, definitely. But yeah, I mean, I don't know how much you can share with what's going on with a bank and whatever else. But is that working with internal or is it like external? Yeah, kind of? it's most, it's it most a lot of it's with the internal comms. A lot of it's with their um, their recruitment arm and their employee branding and, and and you know to do with uh, the, the kind of content that they put out and the messaging they put out. So you know, it's like I say, it's changing, and and that's all through that's all through someone at the top of the tree. Being the right sort of person who read uh, my book, actually, and um, and came to us and said, you know what, uh, this is exactly what I've been trying to hammer home for ages. Can you please come in as an external party and also help me hammer that home uh, with the, the rest of them? Um, and that was that was how it started. And that's what I'm finding as well is the more the bigger the leads we get, it's all because you know we find one or two people in these organizations who think like I think it's just that they've never really had the support or the backing of anyone else like me in there. But so it makes sense for them to bring in an external source to help them get things moving uh, in the right direction. So it, like I say, things are changing gradually, yeah. gradually, but slowly, slowly. Mm-hmm. Hey, sorry, we interrupted your podcast, but we just wanted to let you know about Vendely, where finding learning has developed. At Vendorly, we understand the pain points of looking for reliable vendors and securing new clients. We've created a platform to help you with this, save you time and help you flourish. We want you to be the first to see it. So head over to vendorly.co.uk and take a peek. That's Vendorly with a double N. So the book, so I, I came across a book, I think there was a, it was a girl called Eva Adams who put me onto it. And then I was, oh, yeah. then Dave Purcell reached out. He's like, "You need to read this book. It, this is like yeah. right up your street." So then I was like, "Right, cool. I'll read it on the plane." Um, but yeah. yeah, like, but why write a book? I guess is the first one. So it wasn't um, it wasn't uh, intentional necessarily. I, I can't be doing with. I'm I'm very much um, on uh, Mike Winnett's side when I'm when you know you get all these people going. Look at me. I'm I'm an Amazon bestseller. I mean. Yeah. It's so easy to get an Amazon bestseller nowadays. It just means diddly squat. Um, but I wrote a book because I wanted to test the theory. So we have a methodology called the FGC methodology, which is all about um, 
strategy second. So we don't put strategy first. What we do is we create as much content as possible, stick it out to a target audience, and then whatever we learn on that, uh, based on how that content does or that messaging does, we then build a uh, strategy around it. And that's how it works. But my thought was that, you know, let's put this to the ultimate test and let's see how quickly we can write a book. And let's see if we can get that, that book to be successful and to be a, a bestseller. And if we can, if we can use that same methodology to write a book, we can use that methodology to do absolutely anything. Um, and so we, you know, I, I wrote the book in 20 hours, uh, didn't proofread it, uh, put it out after the first design run um, and, uh, and got it out into the open. And I think it's sold, you know, I think, I think we're well over kind of 8,000 copies now, um, which, which is massive, really, um, for, a, for a book that was written in 20 hours filled with uh, spelling errors and I'm, I'm pretty sure mate it's mostly just pictures of stickman um <laughs> so so it, but it, it proved it proved the methodology you know it, I mean, if you can do that with a book you can do it with anything um and it's all about it's, it's, it, things aren't about building strategies and guessing what your audience want to see why guess what your audience want to see when you can put it out to them quickly and you can find out straight away where they want to see it and if they want to see that and that's what the kind of stuff you like you just produce more of it um and that's how marketing should go not the other way around it's interesting. I remember in your book, it, I think you called it like um, the Grammar Police or something like that. Maybe it was, I can't mm-hmm. remember now, Nazi Police or something, I can't remember. Um, <laughs> yeah, Grammar um, Nazi, <laughs> um, But it's, int- it's good because, so I'm dyslexic, so I, all my posts yeah. up out there, do all over show, it's full of made up words most of the time. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I found it I found it quite refreshing, someone just calling it out and saying, look, the chances are, if, you, if you're looking at the spelling mistakes, you're probably going to miss the message anyway. Yeah, you miss the message, of course you do. And the thing is, especially on social media and things like that, you know, where everything's about quick content, it's all about quick content creation and, and how quickly people can digest stuff, right? So when people are going into it, you've got these people who, who are harping on about how, how you know, um, how important uh, spelling and grammar is and getting it perfect and all the rest of it. But then I look at these people who are doing that and they're getting like fucking two likes a post if they're lucky. You know, they're all there ranting about what good content looks like in terms of, you know, being spelt the right way or being grammatically correct. And yet these guys can't even drive an audience or get, or get any engagement on anything they produce. So they're talking shit. I mean, what's more, what's more important to you, right? Engagement of the right audience so you can actually sell something to them and you can build, you know, build an audience you can actually monetize or getting your fucking spelling and grammar right. I know which one I'd, be, I'd rather be better at. Um, <laughs> And, and, and it's these idiots that just concentrate on the granular things that don't actually matter. I'm not saying that spelling and grammar isn't important. Of course it is to a certain extent. You couldn't just fucking hammer all a massive, you know, a, 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 an email that just didn't make any fucking sense to people because then you're not communicating but, properly. But the occasional spelling errors, some grammatical errors in there, does it really matter that much if the messaging's great, if it's strong, if it resonates with people? Does it fuck? Um, and also, yeah, exactly. And it's, it's that other thing of, um, recognizing that you know there is a huge percentage of the of, of the population who are dyslexic, right? Um, I actually think it's probably higher than the than than um, than studies suggest, uh, because actually a lot of people, especially the older generations, would, would never had the chance to be diagnosed with dyslexia. Um, and I've got I've got two best mates who are dyslexic. I mean I mean so dyslexic I can't even fucking understand the text messages. I have to ring them and say what the hell are you on about? Because I'm not sure whether they're drunk or just being dyslexic. Um, and but that's the world that's the world we live in and we we don't live in a perfect world so so striving for perfection and and sitting there thinking everything has to look right and be you know it doesn't it doesn't and it's bullshit and it's not the way marketing and messaging should be so this i kind of like the the stuff i like with the stuff that you put out on linkedin and twitter and stuff for me it does a few things so you have honest normal chit chat 
like the, the sort yeah. of stuff what you'd say like you say to the, the guy in the pub and you say the stuff what people don't want to say and and this is on social media right this isn't even as a business this is me as a person why uh-huh. what do you think the barriers are i think on yours was it chocolate dildo i think and then there's a couple yeah. of others what i pulled out in the book as well but like yeah yeah why is it people as a person don't want to say that do you think on, on social media because it's it's all about it's the, the, these things that we that we all these rules right that we're trying to adhere to all these all this professionalism is just they're just societal constructs that were made up at one point by old white men right and the fact that we're all sat there saying you can't say that because this is what i always say to people when when i say things or i'll say stuff in board meetings right with some some of these people are like you know this guy who's in a board meeting with the other day he's like with 150 million and i'm saying all sorts of shit in front of him and it, you should have seen his face but to me it's like well it doesn't matter it doesn't matter it's not important like they're all societal constructs and when you ask someone uh why i can't say that so i say you can't say that and i'll say well, why why can't i say that and they never because they'll say something like because it's rude or because it's unprofessional but they can't elaborate on that because what is unprofessional some people think unprofessional is uh like me you know turning up in uh in in docks with no socks and a, and a bomber jacket and swearing my head off um, and some people like me think unprofessional is doing a shit job so, you know, if you'd rather walk around in a three-piece suit, shaking hands and making promises you can't keep and you think that's professional, fine. I'd rather come in, you know, being normal, swearing my head off, but making sure that I deliver and, and do a good job. And, and that's the difference. I think that's professional. Um, so these are all rules that people are put in place. You know, you want to follow them, follow them. But I think people are realising, actually, that's not what's important. Yeah, it's a thing, right? Like people buy people. And I think, especially maybe we'll use banking just because we pulled it up. So banking, for me, is one of them industries where I just think I couldn't think of anything I'd rather not be in. From from just for me being creative and, and doing what I do, I just like, yeah. it just feels like it's just so locked down and whatever else. But yeah. it is that thing, right? Like, people can go in, buy, you know, buy the guy in the suit and, and get nothing. Where I think if I was to work for you, I know what I'm going to get, like... I know you're not going yeah. to shaft me over because what I see is what I get. That's that's it. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And it is just being direct. And I think you can tell a lot of clients that we have. Um, uh, well, some of the more, some of the stiffer ones, the the, the ones in stiff industries that are, you know have this kind of false air of professionalism about them. Um, when they when they you know there are certain things that I'll say to them, or you know if, if somebody comes up with an idea, I'll, I'm not the sort of person who'll go, oh yeah, that's, you know what's a fantastic idea. I'll say it's shit. That's not a good idea, and this is why. Um, and I think they struggle to deal with it. Uh, or, or certainly at the start, have struggled to deal with it. But people get more and more used to it. And actually, the the speed at which we work and which we move and which we communicate is just improved tenfold. Because there's no small talk. There's no, you know, treading on eggshells around each other. It's just listen. I think that's shit. It's not going to work. Um, and it, it it's better for everyone. It's like better for everyone involved. You just got to get used to it. And you just got to kind of, you know leave your ego at home because um, there's, there's there's no real room for it um, and, and and that's I just think that's a better way of communicating mate I think it's a better way of communicating because it's honest it's true it's open um, you just can't get offended very easily but I think I think it's a good thing as well like especially when we see it in, in corporate environments like oh you've got to give someone feedback or you've got to do this and I think we get so scared now of just being direct and like we put so many la- layers yeah. over what we want to say that by the time we say something it means nothing like what we need it to say anyway Exactly, exactly, mate. Exactly, um, and it's daft. It's daft. Tiptoeing around each other gets gets you nowhere. And that's one of the things that is just um, that my my team are learning with each other is just, you know, 
<laughs> you know, don't we, we 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 can kind of produce whatever we want to produce, but at the end of the day, like as creatives, it's very easy to be precious over the stuff that we create. But you've got to get very very used to people telling you that something's shit or that it won't work. Um, and the ultimately, really, I mean, we can all we can all have opinions and things as creatives, but ultimately, the only opinion that matters is your audience anyway. Um, and it's it's getting getting very very used to creating as much content as possible, um, sticking it out there, and uh, getting used to to the to the criticism or or, or things failing, um, because that's actually where you learn. It's not it's not you know being told that you're great all the time. That's that's never a good thing. So so obviously the, the content that you put out there is, is brilliant. Like it stands out miles ahead of viewer content. Was what's your usual churn on LinkedIn? So I guess I, I was talking to Kate Graham, who who gave you who mentioned you on, on Twitter the other day, and yeah, she was cheers, like, Kate. <laughs> yeah, she's 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 a good egg. But I guess one of the questions she had me, asked me to ask you was kind of is good content enough? Like, do we have to game the system with the fact of like uh, SEO, you know, the algorithm, keywords, and all that stuff? Like, should we even have to do that? Like, how how, um, how are you getting around it? I guess. It's difficult, mate. It's difficult. It's such it's such a difficult question to answer because every brand's different. Like some brands will need a medley of all sorts of things. But then again, I've seen brands grow just on the back of good content because they've created an audience. And it doesn't matter how good um, your SEO is. If you built an audience somewhere and you you tell the audience to go and check out your website or check out your products or check out your service, you can't really. Um, you're not going to get better than that. You know, you're going to get tons and tons of traffic. But not every brand's capable of doing that. Um, some brands have to compete on SEO. Some some uh, brands have to sit there and compete on 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 paid, you know, on keywords, and uh, that's just that's that's just kind of part and parcel of, of marketing. Every every brand has a different strategy. It's really really difficult to say and to answer that question and say, you know, is that enough? Because actually, for most brands, good content on its own is not enough. No, it's not. Uh, but good content and good creative and good messaging and uh, and the right tone of voice will elevate any other area of marketing. Um, so it's, it's, it's massively important for everyone. Is it enough, uh, to be the be all and end all of your, of your brand building and your, your marketing? Probably not for most people, no. So I guess there's two questions. And I know in the book, you kind of like, you don't really, you don't really touch on, well, you do touch on it because you say it's it pretty much a lot of bullshit anyway, but yeah, yeah. like this kind of impact, you know, this ROI, this return on investment and all that, I guess uh -huh. how... It's probably a two-part question, really. Like, how do you measure what success is, and and what has been your biggest success, you know, as a campaign so, or whatever? Yeah, so I mean, it depends on depends on what your objectives are, mate. You've got to be really, really clear, clear from the start what you want to get from your marketing, right? And you've also got to realize as well that marketing isn't sales. Right? This is the other thing that people haven't get wrong. So I I always harp on about return investment, and I got all the sales guys going, yeah, this market gets it, um, and then they'll come to me expecting a, you know. To, to do one social media post and turn and, and, and get a get a half a million pound lead, you know, and it's like no, you pick fuck. That's not how it works. Um, but it's uh, it, it's just you've got to set clear objectives. You've got to, you've got to be able to say, well, this is where we're hoping to get to, um, and and that's essentially it, really. Um, it's a bit uh, it's difficult, really. So return investment is, is is all based on your own objectives. So. It depends. Are you looking for leads? Are you looking for more traffic? Are you looking to grow a bigger following? Uh, you know, it, it depends. And then when are you looking to achieve that by? And, you know, if your marketing is going to cost you X amount over the next year, 
uh, what is a return on investment going to look like and how are you going to achieve that and get to those goals? Um, that's what you should be looking at. It's about long-term vision. It's about not expecting things to happen overnight, especially if you're building a brand or a social media channel or something like that from scratch. It is not going to happen overnight. So if you're sat there and you've got fucking 40 LinkedIn followers, I don't care how good the content is that you produce, you are not going to start getting 50, 60 grand, 100 grand leads in tomorrow. It's not going to happen. And if you sat there thinking, well, you know, I won't bother with marketing, then, then you're also an idiot because you're always going to wait a glass ceiling. I mean, what, you'll have a fucking sales team of 3,000. Um, you know, it's just, it's just people are daft when it comes to marketing and their expectations are completely skewed because no one's honest about what that, what that return on investment means. But just be clear from the start, get your objectives sorted and, and know what you're looking to get out of it and know what a return on investment looks like. That's what's important. And if you sat there, you know, in, in a couple of years' time, and, and your objective was was getting X amount of leads to lead to X amount of revenue, and you've grown a big following, but it's not led to that. Then your, your marketing was unsuccessful. Um, so it's just 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 being clear on it. And I know that's a really fluffy answer, but it's like 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 the last question. Everyone's different, mate. Every brand's different. Every product's different. Every service is different. We're all servicing different people, different audiences. So it's hard. It's hard to hard to nail down in one answer, really. So. I guess going back to so say for let's I'll just use Mindchimp for for the sake of it. So Mindchimp as a podcast as a brand, it's me. Like that's it, me and me alone. Um, started from Jack All, created a community, went from a community, yep. created a podcast, then do meetups, and then loads of other yep. stuff in the pipeline. But yep. how does someone move from say, and I'm not saying I'm I'm gonna monetize Mindchimp because I won't, yep. but how does someone move if they've got that following to move from it being just like a like a freemium model, you know, where you give loads of people loads of free stuff and then yeah, yeah, yeah. and then how do you move it from that to actually I need to tap into this now, I'm a fish all in this barrel and I need to sell yeah. something. How do you do that without kind of offending, I guess, you know, the people who are, who are there for the free stuff? Well, two things. Uh, number one, if you've built enough, if you've given your audience enough value and built enough trust with them, uh, that you, they shouldn't have a problem buying off you. That's one of the things. Um, but the second thing is... Um, you need to find out what your audience want, what like, what what do they actually want to buy, because the thing is, like, it's no use going. Well, you know, I've built up a, an audience of like I don't know developers, say right, and then you're going to go to and try and sell them pairs of socks. Yeah. Do they fucking want these socks? Do you know what I mean? Like you, it's it, it's stuff like that where it's just a little bit. It's difficult. It's difficult. You've got to really know your audience and know what they want, because no matter how much trust you built with them, they're not just going to buy anything off you. You so, know, um, so I guess if I was to say come to you and go right, this is this is my people, this is where I'm at. How would you what? And I don't want you to give away your process of what you do as a company, but how would you get closer to my audience to understand that? Um, difficult, really, mate. I mean, you'd, you'd analyze whatever data it is that you get off your. I mean, I presume you collect data on your re, your listeners, do you? Yeah. 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 So you you, you that, that's your starting point. Um, you know, and, and you'd get out there and speak to those people as well and you'd do more research around what those people want to see, what they buy. There's loads of different things you could do. Um, but you need to really get to know them prior to I wouldn't even start, you know, I wouldn't even start. I mean, then again, it, it depends how well you know them already. You might already know them already. You might know what they want to buy. So it depends. It depends. But your starting point is analysing that data and seeing what, you know, what their buying habits are, the type of places they hang out, you know, Loads of different things. Yeah, and kind of just get super close with what it is they're kind of already doing and what they're already kind of, I guess, into. Yeah, because otherwise, yeah, because otherwise, you're gonna try and sell them some shit that they don't want. Yeah, pair of socks. 
yeah, a pair of socks, man. I mean, I'd, I'd, I'd like socks. Yeah. I don't know whether your audience would. It's a good point. It's a good point. So, so going back to kind of like offended then, so what's been your biggest successful campaign? And this can be, say, as you or as, say, something you've done for your client or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. What's, what's the one that really jumps out? Uh, we've done all sorts. My, my favourite. I mean, in terms of success, they're all successful in their own right, mostly. Yeah. Uh, we, don't, we, we, we rarely drop the ball, but the biggest one's probably all the, the, the projects, which is um, the, a lot of stunts that we do for uh, Carew. And I say that because that's my favourite. It's not the, the biggest brand we've worked with, but it is the, the most daring. Um, and we've done everything, mate. We've done everything from... We, we badged up some advertisements and put, you know, put parking tickets across 3,000 cars in Manchester. You know, we had... We had them going up on a cherry picker to offices that we we're trying to get into with big signs saying, um, saying fed up of working here. Um, you know, that riled a few people up. We've done, done all sorts of stuff. Um, so, so that's kind of, kind of my favorite because these guys will, will actually take a real risk. Um, and the thing is, that's, that's the thing with like startups nowadays at that level. They've got to start doing things that are different. And Career are really standing out and managing to build a brand in the course of like, you know, six months because they're actually saying something entirely different to other job job apps and recruitment apps. Mm. So social media, when it comes to you throwing out, you know, like your content and as you, how do you yeah. go through that process? So do you just like write it, put it out there, job done, or do you have to kind of settle on it and then think actually I need to edit that or what? How how's that part process work? So it's all all through our methodology again, mate. It's all about. Um, creating content as quickly as possible, not being too precious about it, not being too precious about it being perfect, um, especially if it's a new idea and putting it out to the audience and then basing um, further content on how that audience reacts to it. So, um, and the, the, the reason that works, is a little bit like if you were building a tech product, right, and you're trying to build a minimum viable product, mm-hmm. what you wouldn't do is build the whole, um, say you're building a, a platform, right, you wouldn't build a whole tech, tech platform and then stick it out to your audience or to stick it out to your target customer and hope that they use it, you'd build uh, it feature by feature. you build a feature, you'd test that minimum viable product with your audience, and then you'd kind of um, build iterations on that feature based on their feedback. A lot of that's the same as, uh, as content, the way that we do content. We're not too precious about things. It's constantly spinning new ideas, constantly trying things that are new, constantly coming at things from new angles, um, You know, trying to think outside the box as much as possible. And even though you know we might put out 10 pieces of content and this is not only for us this is for clients we might buy out 10 pieces of content you know two might really hit home and eight might dive um but then what we've learned from those two that hit home because they were so different and they were so uh, different to what our competitors do and what everyone else does um we've learned more than that than we could if we were sat there you know trying to figure out a, you know do, does is this color quite right on that infographic or, you know, should that text be a little bit smaller on there? Or, you know, is, is it all spelt right and proofread right? Can we, can we go through another proofread? Cause every time you do things, every time you say, if you're producing a bit of content, right? Every time you do an activity like that. So every time you change the color, every time you uh, move that text here, every time you proofread it again and again and again, every time you change those slides again and again and again, all that is time. And the more time you put in, if you then, put that thing out and it bombs it's a massive loss making exercise so every time you, most people produce content because it gets no engagement and brings in no leads and nobody gives a fuck about it if they've spent ages doing that like these fucking white papers people do fuck off with those white papers they're rubbish no one cares no one's reading them give it a rest because you've spent months you've had a team spending months on that white paper and about fucking 10 people have read it you've just the amount of money you've just wasted is ridiculous 
you know, and you wouldn't get away with it in any other team other than marketing. It's just ridiculous. The, the whole the whole way that people produce content and market themselves nowadays is, is, is stupid. It's just huge loss-making exercises, you know. Just get stuff out. Get, get stuff out and let your audience tell you what they want to see and then build a strategy around it. That's what you should be doing. It's the same with social media, same with any content, same with offline. Doesn't matter. Just get it done. All right, cool. So just be mindful of your time because I know this was kind of a last-minute thing to get us in. Um, yeah, no worries, mate. So just one more question then. And, I, and Yeah, let's just do this one. So... You've got a billboard, yeah? And you can shape a million people's minds who are doing what you're trying to do now. And you can right. put a message on there. What would you What would you put on there? Um, what, a billboard advertising what? What am I advertising? Yeah. My... It could be anything. It can be a message to them people. A message to anyone just trying to do good content? Yeah. Um, it'd just be... It'd just be... Um, fuck perfection. All right, nice. I'm That's it. Fuck perfection. Doesn't matter. It's not a thing. Perfection's subjective. It's never going to be objective. Obviously, that's not going on, though. We'll just fuck perfection. <laughs> fuck protection? No, not fuck protection. Don't do that. You'll have end up with loads of kids and you know diseases and things. Uh, where am I going with this? <laughs> you know, I think that, I think I don't think we can end on a better note with that one, Dan. To be honest, I don't, I don't, I don't think I don't think so either, mate. Um, uh, where can people find out a little bit about what you're doing, what you're up to? Where can I get your book? And where can I where can I um, where can I get in your book well, so that I can be a client of yours? Yeah, I mean, listen, yeah, books on Amazon. Um, get me on LinkedIn. Uh, we're just about to launch a new site in a couple of uh, couple of weeks, which so everyone can actually see what that we actually do and some of the work that we've done. Um, you know, just, just, yeah, just, just whatever, whatever. Ping me a, ping me a message or an email. I'm terrible at getting back to them, so I'll, I'll speak to you in six months. Nice one. Sounds good. Um, Dan, we picked some numbers right at the very start, didn't we? Um, these yep. numbers tie up to a random list of items on a beach. I want to know what you're going to do with them. Are you ready? Okay. So Go you, you've got a condom. Yeah. An obviously. ice cube. Yeah. A picture frame. Yeah. A spring. And yeah. um, a piece of chalk and a shovel. Right. That's okay. It. Okay. Uh, well, I'd get the piece of chalk and I'd draw a, I'd draw a picture of um, Emma Watson. She, she's lovely. Yeah. Uh, pop it in the frame. I'd, uh, I'd, I'd put the spring up my bum. Don't know what I'd do with that. Put okay. it up my bum. Uh, you know, I'd, uh, I'd I'd pop the pop the old condom on, rub the rub the ice cube on the nipples, <laughs> and then and bury bury the condom afterwards with the spray. What uh, a guy! What a and guy. that's it. <laughs> bury all the evidence. No, the It's um, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you very much for coming on the show. Definitely, mate. Definitely, mate. It's been uh, it's been nice. Sorry about the, the running around. I'm useless, mate, at booking things and time management and running a business. So, yeah, sorry about that. It's all good. Cheers, Dan. No worries. Bye-bye. Cheers, buddy. See you in a bit.